0: If you're committed to transitioning to a new role outside of the classroom, let me give you some advice. Don't try to navigate this journey all on your own. The Teacher Career Coach course will walk you step-by-step through the entire process. When you sign up, you'll get help picking your career path, have access to a library of transition resumes for teachers written by a professional, and even gain access to a list of hundreds of companies that hire teachers. Most importantly, you'll join our exclusive private community to collaborate with others and network. I've dedicated my time putting together templates and resources to create the most thorough program to help save you time. Learn more about the Teacher Career Coach course at teachercareercoach.com forward slash course.
1: Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez.
0: Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. And in this episode, I talked to Brittany Wright, who's a former teacher who left teaching and supplemented her income for a short period of time just by leveraging multiple part-time roles in consulting and curriculum development and then ultimately used that experience to land a full-time position. If you're currently weighing the pros and cons of working in part-time positions, this is a really great episode for you to listen to. Hi, Brittany. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Daphne. So I wanted to talk to someone specifically who had worked in a lot of part-time roles, But I'd love to hear before we get into your work history beyond the classroom, how long you were actually in education for and your experience as a teacher.
1: Yeah, so I taught for 13 years. Part of that time was in Minnesota teaching eighth grade English and communications and a few classes like that, and then taught in Chicago for a few years teaching fifth grade. So 13 years total.
0: And Were you always really kind of thinking of something else long-term, or was there like a shift in your teaching career where you started to really evaluate different options?
1: Hmm. I don't know how much I want to admit, but (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, teaching was way harder than I ever thought it would be. So right from the beginning, I was like, what have I gotten into? (laughs) And then I got better at it and more confident. And I mean, I stayed in it for 13 years, so clearly it wasn't all bad. But yeah, just got really. I'm really passionate about education, so I think yeah, there was always in the back of my mind like what else I could do. But it was probably um, maybe in the last like two years I was looking for maybe something else more specifically.
0: So, what were your first steps when you were looking for roles beyond the classroom? Did you have any idea what you wanted to do?
1: No, <laughs> I explored like tons of other things. I looked at instructional design. I looked at customer success. I looked at just curriculum writing. Yeah, I I looked at a ton of different types of roles. <laughs> How did
0: you start to narrow down where you ended up or was it just kind of like a mishmash of wherever you were applying?
1: Um, a little bit of both. It's definitely I feel like, you know, as a teacher I'm good at lots of different things, and so yeah, it's kind of a mix of kind of what was available to me also with like obviously something I wanted to do and felt like I'd be good at.
0: So what was the first role that you took
1: outside of the classroom? Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, so I actually found two part-time roles kind of at the same time, right, as I was leaving. So I left mid-school year because I was moving for my husband's job. And so a lot of people knew I was looking for work, both where I was moving and where I was moving from. And it was actually one of my former coworkers who had left teaching the year before, who found me a job with a nonprofit organization writing curriculum, and she'd been doing that. And so she hooked me up with them. And then the other one, actually, my school asked me if I would stay on as a curriculum consultant with them. So I got both of those, like, basically on day one after leaving.
0: <laughs> wow, that's really super lucky. With the curriculum consultant work, you were doing that remotely then, I'm taking it, because you did leave? Yeah, both of them were remote. Mm-hmm. I think some of the biggest fears that people have when it comes to taking part-time work, and this is completely valid, is, is that going to supplement their income? It's not necessarily stable work, and it's not guaranteed long-term. Usually it comes with a very clear like at-will contract.
1: Was that something that you really struggled with? Probably not as much right away, because I was just so happy to have something to help me you know, keep the savings from dwindling too much when I was first starting to look for full-time jobs. But I knew that the one with my school was temporary. It was just going to be for that spring and summer. And then I knew that the other one was just like really dependent on when they had grants for projects. So yeah, it definitely just like weighing things out. But for the most part, I knew I wanted to take both of those. It was more when I was looking this summer where I was like, do I want another part-time job to supplement this curriculum writing one or like, how am I going to handle that? So that's where some of that like processing came in.
0: Yeah, interesting. And we'll get to that in just a second, but let's talk a little bit about your work with that nonprofit because I think a lot of people really are interested in working in nonprofits. I haven't heard a ton at least through the podcast, people who worked specifically in just curriculum, a lot of them worked with like, community engagement, or more of full time roles in nonprofits. But when you were working in this role, do you feel like you were exposed to the different departments in the nonprofit? Were you starting to get any experience that you thought would help you go into nonprofit
1: work more on a full time basis? Not really. It was really good exposure for me about what curriculum writing would be like if I wanted to do that full time. But it's an organization that just does curriculum that is their nonprofit. So I really just worked with like the people directly above me. And then they basically hire us like as contract workers. So... I didn't have exposure to like anyone else in the organization, but it was really like I learned a ton about curriculum writing, working with them and just how much more rigorous it is than even just writing curriculum for like a school district or something. When you were
0: working in your teaching position, were you working in that same capacity? Like were you writing all
1: the curriculum for your school district? So my most recent school, it was super tiny. So I was just writing curriculum writing a lot of curriculum for myself, (laughs) but it was never being like shared with anyone else. But I did do some curriculum writing with my previous school district um, that was used by the district. So yeah.
0: And I know you were in the teacher career coach course, but I'm curious how much, because I know you said you got this through networking and I'm not sure how much of the course you actually went through prior to getting even these part-time roles, but were you leveraging and like clearly articulating that you did have experience writing curriculum, even for your own classroom, on your resume for these types of positions?
1: Yeah. So I had started the course probably a month before I left, maybe even two. And so I definitely like written my resume using teacher career course and all that. So yeah, I didn't have to interview for this position, but like it was definitely very clear in my resume, like all the work I've done writing curriculum.
0: Yeah. Cause that's one of the pieces that I think. It feels intuitive and you write down, like, I'm a fifth grade teacher. That's what I used to teach. Like, oh, I'm a fifth grade teacher. Here's some of the things I did. And I, you know, created curriculum according to state standards. But when it comes specifically for these, like, curriculum writing jobs, they don't know if you were at a school district that gave you all the curriculum or if you were in charge of writing curriculum for the entire school year. And those are two totally different types of teachers and especially you're not 100% sure if you have never sat down and like every teacher has written curriculum, like especially for your teacher training programs. But if you haven't sat down and wrote like 40 hours of curriculum,
1: you might not realize like, I actually don't enjoy that work. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, because I feel like I hadn't done quite as much as I did this summer. So it was like, very eye opening of how much mental energy it takes me to sit and write curriculum for like, you know, hours at a time. And it, like, as much as I enjoy working for this, for this organization, it was definitely like, I don't know if I could actually do this full, full time. And so I did interview for a few full-time positions that were curriculum writing, but yeah, I definitely like kind of pivoted away from it after this summer. I was like, It's great. It's great work to do part time. I'm just not sure I could do it full time. It was definitely a learning experience.
0: And that's everyone's different. Like, there are people who absolutely thrive in that, like, I'm by myself, I'm writing, I get focused, no one's going to bother me face. And then I'm the type of person where like my brain explodes if no one talks to me for four hours. Same. (laughs) (laughs) I do need interactions and changes and different types of activities. Like I need different types of work, basically, beyond just that writing piece. But there are people who know that about themselves who love it. So I don't want this interview to scare people away. But I was curious because when you started to look for full-time roles it does look like you may have started to pivot into maybe similar yet different type of position do you mind sharing a little bit about that role the technical training specialist
1: yeah so like i said i'd been applying for kind of like curriculum roles for a while and then shifted a little bit cuz realized i needed something with a little more interaction so Yeah, I ended up getting a role just recently for technical training specialist with an education software company. And like I said, I haven't started yet, but I'm really excited for it because I'll be basically onboarding new school districts on this education software. So I get to do a little bit of curriculum writing, but it's a lot of like on Zoom or in-person type work.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's very similar to what I was doing in my like learning consultant role. And then also I did some of that type of work with instructional design. I also did trainings for school districts. And I do feel like it's a good match of both of them. What did that process look like when you were starting to use these part-time roles to leverage yourself for a full-time position? Did you find yourself struggling or did it seem like it was a little bit easier to get your foot in the door after being able to put other things on your resume as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, just kind of listening to different people on like post on the TCC, um, like community I definitely felt like I was getting more interviews maybe per application than others. I feel like that had to have come from just having some roles on the top of my resume that weren't, you know, specifically just working with students. Because I know, like you've said, like, you know, try and leverage those leadership positions or different things like that. And I feel like having these part-time roles really did make me stand out. And like, I've had many people mention that in interviews. So I think that was definitely an asset. Will you remind me of the question? I feel like I'm on a tangent.
0: (laughs) So how long were you actually in those contract positions? Because I also think that people are scared to take something if there's not like, okay, well, I need to make sure it says two years on the resume that I work somewhere for at least this long or else it's not even worth it for me to take that part-time position. So were you there for a really long time? No, I think it was six
1: months. Yeah.
0: (laughs) When you were interviewing for this position, did they start to ask you about that part-time experience or were they asking more about your teaching experience or
1: kind of a both? Um, with this particular one I think just because it's an education company they did ask a lot about my teaching experience but I think it was a mix like there was definitely a mix where I could like give interview answers from either experience they didn't really specify
0: were they looking for people who had like subject matter expertise and like a certain grade level and did that help you stand out whatsoever for this position or just someone who was like tech proficient? What types of skills were they really looking for from your classroom experience for it?
1: Yeah, it was definitely the tech stuff. And then they did really want to hear about my experience training other teachers, which I had some experience. And then obviously in my consulting role, I was also training and onboarding teachers. So they definitely asked most of their questions about whether when I was teaching and then training teachers or in that consulting role.
0: Did you take the interview module and practice it prior to actually going into these interviews? Oh, yeah.
1: Like I said, I had a lot of interviews and I don't feel like that is one of my strong suits. Felt like my resume was really strong, but I definitely needed the practice interviewing. So yeah, I took like everything you had to say to heart and practiced and especially like a lot of my interviews were on Zoom. So I'd have like notes all over behind the screen (laughs) with just like the points I wanted to hit. But yeah, this was actually my first in-person interview. So I was glad I had all those practice interviews (laughs) under my belt.
0: So it does sound like even with your experience outside the classroom, there were still a few rejections in between part-time work and finally getting this position. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the other roles? Sure. So
1: I probably had six or seven different companies that I interviewed with. And many of them were like second round, third round, a lot of them because they were in like curriculum or you know the education space had like big projects that I had to do to present. So yeah, lots and lots of rejections after a lot of time invested in the interview process. So yeah, but kind of a variety of roles. I was all over the place trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Were you able
0: to get any feedback from any of the hiring managers during those processes? No, there
1: was one particular education company where I had interviewed with the CEO. And so I had emailed her just asking for feedback specifically. And her feedback was basically... We had basically 2000 applicants be really happy you made it to the final round and like just some really vague feedback. <laughs> so I definitely asked for feedback and rarely got it. I, I got ghosted at that point most of the time.
0: And that's the hardest part. And it also is why we have the course in general is because a lot of people are not going to give you feedback. And there is a lot of times that you did really, really well And someone maybe just did a tiny bit better than you. And it sounds so terrible to say, but it's almost like flipping a coin of they may have been looking at two sheets of paper and saying, like, these people are equally good. And then nitpicking of like, okay, I guess this person is a little bit stronger because of this thing. And then when someone comes back and says, well, give me feedback. And you don't really have anything clear like, oh, you know, you cussed in the interview, (laughs) like something that's like easy to say what it was. They don't want to give you unnecessary feedback like when there isn't something there. And then that vague, someone was more experienced than you is not helpful. Like I said, that's why we wanted to create something from a hiring perspective of like, here's what you can do to keep elevating your answers each time. Because I think the first few times you go into these interviews, it's so common to make some of like the easiest mistakes. Like someone says like, why are you leaving teaching? And you're like, cause I'm totally burnt out. And it's like, okay, that's not necessarily the right (laughs) answer for this scenario. Or why do you want this job? Oh, well I looked and everyone works remotely. Like that's not gonna be the answer that really stands out. Do you feel like when you went into the first few interviews, you may have made any sort of like missteps where you thought, like, okay, shoot, next time I know a better answer
1: for that question when it comes up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think that's just like, I don't know, I tend to like blank and, (laughs) and it's like, nothing is coming to mind. And it's like hard to sit there quietly while you think of an answer. So it just pushed me to like prep and prep and prep and like type out possible answers and all of that. But yeah, there was one time in particular where it was such an easy thing to talk about. They just said, tell me about something that's not on your resume. And I was just like, I'm not ready for this. I don't like, I just blanked anything I thought of was on my resume, which is like, I have a million things about me that aren't on my resume. And I just couldn't think of anything.
0: Oh, no, you just get so nervous. Were you? And I think we talk about that in the course too, like strategies of like how to get through that. Were you ever able to like spit out like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just really excited about this role. I'm a little nervous or any of those tricks.
1: Yeah, I think I just kind of said like, oh, of course, it's like, you know, when you say something that's not on your resume, all I think of is like, what's on my resume? Like, I think I just kind of like buffered with that. And then just, I think I went into something like, oh, we had some really cool projects in my first job. And like, it's kind of related to my resume. So it's not that great an answer, but I at least had something I could say.
0: (laughs) During that phase of rejection for full-time roles, were you starting to feel like, it
1: might not happen for you? Yeah, I actually like accepted another part-time job just thinking I needed something else to supplement and was definitely like feeling discouraged about that. I thought I would have had a full-time role by now. And so, yeah, I mean, just even the months before that, I just didn't think it'd take as long as it did. So when I did finally get the full-time role, I was ecstatic. (laughs) But yeah, it was discouraging for sure throughout that. Was
0: there anything that helped you stay
1: motivated during the process? Yeah, lots of things. I mean, being a part of the community was huge. Just being able to like post where I'm at and connect with other people, hear where they're at. I put up like a lot of the affirmations that you had in the course. I have them like on post it notes over here, reminding myself, like, I can do this. My husband was super supportive of me always encouraging me telling me like how impressed he was and proud of me that he was for all that I was doing. So yeah, lots of different things keeping me going.
0: I have never been like an affirmation person. And that probably like people are going to be like, who's this fake <laughs> oil salesman selling a course with affirmations. But like I never I was always too cool for that. Until I full on needed it. Until I like 100% did not believe that something was possible that like, Objectively looking outside at other people, like, oh, it's possible for everyone but me in this situation. And I had to write down those words. Like, I had to tell myself daily, like, hey, you're smart. People are going to like you. Like, this isn't about you. This is just like a numbers game. It's a strategy game and it stinks for everyone. And you're going to get through this. And so I've heard from so many people who were similar, like, I thought it was cheesy but I needed that part to like help motivate me through the times where I really wanted to give up.
1: Yeah, well, and I think like, you know, teaching was so much of my identity. So I just needed those like reminders, like that's not who you are. You have worth, not just as a teacher, not just as like, you know, serving others at all times of the day, like, you know, I have worth and I can bring value somewhere else. So just like having those like written out visible where I'm working every day was a big deal.
0: I know that you mentioned that you struggled with like, self-confidence through the process and you also are brave that you took part-time work and that you were taking that kind of leap of faith but you really didn't have a choice you said but do you feel like having the community or the steps in front of you helped you with the confidence of okay I have this plan.
1: I mean yeah just seeing that like other people had done it and I think especially when it was like yeah it took me six months or it took me 70 applications like seeing people pave the way before us was really encouraging. And then just honestly, sometimes like commiserating with the other transitioning teachers or getting advice from them or just encouraging each other. That was, that was really helpful.
0: And I always have to say like commiserating in a private forum, it does not have to be in the teacher career coach course community. That is where she's talking about it, but please don't put it on your LinkedIn posts. Please don't do it where It's showing up on your LinkedIn profile because that is not doing you any services, but it definitely is an important part of the process for sure. When you were working in your part-time roles, was there any benefits that you were receiving from the companies or
1: were they all like freelance positions? Yeah, they were all contracts, so no benefits. So that's another reason why they were definitely temporary. And I left teaching with savings, knowing that those part-time roles were not going to be enough long-term, like while they were super helpful in helping me get the full-time position, it was, yeah, no benefits.
0: And then during that time, did you sign up for benefits or go through your husband or like, what was your strategy with losing like health insurance is a huge one that people worry about.
1: Yeah. So my husband works for a university, so he has really good healthcare. So we're paying extra for me to be on his, same with like some of the other benefits. So yeah, that was just the plan. And like, I'm lucky to be able to do that because it's less expensive than trying to go out and find it on my own, at least for like the quality of healthcare that we got.
0: And now when you're moving to the new full-time position or when you moved over to there, are there perks of that position and good
1: benefits? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, there's really good benefits. Um, I don't even know where to begin on some of it. I don't like know all the details completely. But yeah, they're definitely like really great perks. I mean, even just like little things, they have like a health clinic on the campus that you can go to. They like have free lunches. There's a lot of perks if you're working in person. So yeah, plus like all of the big benefits too.
0: And so you will be working in person. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Were you looking primarily for remote work or were you always open to working like
1: hybrid or in office as well? I was looking at both. I think my main priority is I did want to stay in education somewhat. And so there weren't a ton of options in my area. So I would, but yeah, a lot of my applications were for remote positions, but yeah, I think partly like writing curriculum at home and doing that consulting from home, I was like excited to have at least a hybrid position.
0: Yeah. And it's definitely, once again, not for everyone, like remote work, some people absolutely need it depending on where they live. There are not a lot of opportunities there or depending on their situation at home or health concerns, you know, remote is their non-negotiable, but it's so good to open up to in-person jobs because it really greatly limits the amount of competition. Do you feel like with those six or seven interviews that you got when you were looking, were the majority of those like hybrid positions in office or were quite a few of them remote as well?
1: I think most of them were remote. And yeah, there were like, a thousand applicants for some of them like one of them had 2000 and then this job was significantly less so less competition for sure
0: what are you the most excited about learning in this new position like what about it do you feel like is going to remind you of what you've loved about teaching
1: yeah so this job i think is going to take some of the aspects of teaching that i really like so taking complex material and breaking it down for people still feeling like I'm helping the education system, being able to like, you know, work with educators. That's really exciting to me. But just from what I've heard kind of like in the interviews and things like that, like there is a lot to learn on this software. And so that is definitely going to be the challenge is just to learn their software. And then I think maybe the other tough part is like, a lot of the trainings are on Zoom. And so if you have someone who's not that tech savvy, I have to explain the technology to them through Zoom. So I think there's gonna be definitely some challenges there. I'll have to reach back to like the pandemic days to figure out how to do that.
0: Yeah, I love that. And do you know, like looking at the company, this is very early on, but do you know if there's room for growth inside this company? Like this is
1: a long-term move for you? Yeah, there's definitely room for growth. I think the company is like 500 people so there's definitely like other positions but I think for me I'm just like excited to do this and and try something new and I'll be making significantly more than I did teaching so for now I'm like yep this is the plan and we'll, we'll see where it goes
0: and that is after 13 years in the classroom yep and that's also something that I feel like obviously we talk about kind of how to calculate it and think about it in the course like strategically it shows hey, you might start at this position, but here's the natural trajectory with this type of position. But I think it's one of the hardest things for people is like, taking a step back. Obviously, you had a safety net, not every single person has that safety net. So I'm not saying, hey, everyone who's listening, take a pay cut, you know, even if you can't afford to make your mortgage, you'll figure it out. Because in the long run, that's what's best for you. But in this situation, like you did take a risk and you did take less money and less stability and then how long were you outside of the classroom before you earned significantly more yeah like six months yeah and that's not going to be every single person's story but it usually happens much quicker outside of the classroom than it would like the growth when people are getting salary increases when they're getting promotions at their new roles that just happens so much faster than it does Uh, Inside the classroom, which is unfortunate. But it's part of also, I think, why so many people start to feel stagnant in their teaching position is because there's not a lot of incentive financially to do a lot more.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, part of it is I don't have my master's. And so that was putting me down further on like the teacher pay scale on the increase. And then most recently, I was teaching at a private school. So we were making even less than like the public schools around us. And so yeah, it was definitely like me looking at like where I could be in 15 years. And I was like, that's not as much as I want to be making. So yeah, it wasn't my main reason for leaving, but it's definitely nice making more now.
0: <laughs> 100%. And even to the master's point, that was, I was thinking teaching was going to be like my long-term career choice. My last year teaching is when I finished my master's. Or no, I think the year before I finished my master's had about thirty grand in debt just from the master's program, and then I calculated it. I'm like, how many freaking years was I going to have to teach to even pay that back before I even earned any additional income on paying it back, and matched my teaching salary within a few years of leaving the classroom, just working in, at different edtech companies. So, it's very rare for other careers to have such a heavy correlation to like, pay for degrees for you to get compensated. There are definitely other careers that do it. Like obviously, if you're in the healthcare field, they're going to want you to have degrees in order to have different jobs. But other positions are really it's based on like merit performance, seniority, and I think that that's really surprising to teachers.
1: Yeah. Well, and I just don't understand how teachers have time to do grad school. I was working all the time. And so the thought of like, wait, I still have undergrad loans and I'm going to go back to grad school in what time that I, you know, what free time and then have to pay that on top of my undergrad loans. It was like, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs>
0: I was just very single and very lonely and very determined to make money in the career long term. But I want to end with one of my favorite questions for former teachers, and that is, what did you learn about yourself in this process?
1: I think probably like what I mentioned earlier, just that like I have worth outside of teaching. I read a really good book and I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it's something about burnout unlocking like the stress cycles. I can't remember the name of it. That might be the name of it. Okay. It's something like that.
0: I think the name of it is Burnout,
1: I think. Yeah. And it's, I'm actually rereading it again because it's so good. And they just talk about how we are human beings, not human doings, and we just get worth from existing. And I really love that and like clung on to that. And so I feel like, that is probably the biggest thing that like I learned and grew into is um, just separating my identity from teaching.
0: Yeah. I feel like so many people will relate to that of however long they've been in the education system. They just feel like they are doing, but they're not able to just like exist and relax and have hobbies have free time with their family and for anyone who is interested the book is called burnout the secret to unlocking the stress cycle so you did i feel like you got it right thank you so much for being here this has been just such a pleasure and i'm so excited for how much you know you've grown and just The fact that you were able to leverage these part-time positions into a full-time position that you love, and also you've been such a great community member in the teacher career coach course. So it's just been such a pleasure to meet you, Brittany. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. As always, I want to give a huge thank you to Brittany for coming on and sharing her story with this audience. And if you are interested in listening to a past episode that we did all about part-time contract roles, episode 112 is the right episode to go to. I actually interview a chief content officer of an education company, and we go all in on what he's looking for when it comes to hiring teachers for these part-time positions and just the expectations of the part-time positions and how everything works. So head over to episode 112 and we'll see you on the very next episode of the teacher career coach podcast.